This has been Modern Being Human, a podcast about contemporary society. Today, I'm joined by Liberty Imhoff, the founder of Manic Metallic, a fashion media company built around the ethos of respecting fashion as an art, discipline, and societal force for change. The main focus of our conversation today is going to be sustainable fashion and its potential for the transformation of society. Hi, Liberty. Thank you for joining me today. Happy to be here, Ina. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Wonderful. To begin with, let's talk about the definition of sustainable fashion. How does it differ from mainstream fast fashion? I think that a lot of people these days even knows that specifically traffic and sustainable fashion and the fashion industry these days have a hard time defining what the term sustainable fashion even means. In fact, there have been a couple of folks that have decided, you know what, fashion isn't necessarily sustainable in and of itself. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's inherently unsustainable for the environment and for the planet. So they've resorted to using alternative words. And I know that doesn't necessarily answer your question, but I think that it does speak to the fact that even the fashion industry itself has a hard time defining what sustainability actually means. Now, how would I define that term as differing from, let's say, fast fashion? We know that fast fashion is a detriment to the environment. We're seeing the effects of climate change happen right now, and fast fashion is a huge part of that. And the mindset that it takes is that it's going to come out with hundreds of different styles every day, every week. Just look at fast fashion giants like Zara and Shein. And it's something that if you really stop to think about it, yes, fast fashion is a danger, but I've always believed that fast fashion is a mindset. And so, yes, you've got the Shines and the Zaras of the world, but then the fashion industry itself, the way that it works on these different cycles, like fall, winter, spring, summer, resort, holiday collections, that mindset is the real danger. I believe. And that can show up with regards to what we see in traditional fast fashion brands like Shine and Zara, but also luxury brands that we all know and sometimes love. We understand the environmental consequences of fast fashions. They use a lot of water, they use a lot of resources, but what are the social consequences of fast fashion in your opinion? It depends on how you look at it. So one thing that you all might have seen at some point over the past few months are these photos that journalists have taken of places like the Atacama Desert in Chile, where you just see mounds and mounds of clothing just piled into this Chilean desert. And same thing in places like Ghana and Africa, where You've got these primarily Western cultures engaging in the culture of fast fashion. And where do those discarded clothes usually end up going? Some of them not even used. They end up going to comp not companies, excuse me. They end up going to countries in the Southern Hemisphere, countries that 
are not as economically advantaged as those of us in the Western world. So that's a huge social consequence. So you take that along with the issue of fair pay. And that's another issue, actually, that doesn't just affect fast fashion. It affects fashion as a whole, because, again, fashion is inherently unsustainable, save for a few independent brands. So, yeah, I would say just the environmental consequences of pushing forward and accelerating climate change and also the exploitation of workers. That made me think of an episode I recorded with another podcaster from Britain. He researches the history of coffee and the culture of coffee and, of course, societal issues around it. It's very similar how this coffee culture led to the same consequences as a fast fashion. So we have the same patterns of unfair pricing and using cheap labor from less developed countries. And that tends to happen with items and goods and services that benefit the Western world. I hate to say it happens with, as you said, things like coffee. It happens with things like clothes. If the Western world can use it and if it can get these goods and services for as little as possible, at least what is perceived to be as little as possible to those Western world. And if it takes potentially exploiting folks from other cultures, then there are plenty of people that are more than willing to do that, unfortunately. Absolutely. So we identified the problem on your website, Manic Metallic. You write extensively about ways to avoid unsustainable fashion and your take on what changes should be done in the fashion industry to make it more sustainable and transform it to make it fairer in societal terms. Could you maybe give an overview of that? My overarching view, I will say, is that fashion will never actually become sustainable or even make moves towards becoming sustainable unless there's government intervention. Meaning that unless there is legislation that comes down the line that says you cannot do this, you have to do this to protect the environment, you have to do this to pay your workers fairly, I don't believe that the fashion industry is going to make any moves, at least the overall industry. I know there are a lot of good independent actors out there, but I believe that the industry overall isn't going to make good faith maneuvers to protect the environment or to pay its workers fairly. Unless it's told to do that. I think that the worst possible thing that we can do is expect that this industry is going to legislate itself, that the industry is going to police itself because it's absolutely not going to do that. And it's not going to do that because it's not in the economic interests of the fashion industry and of the executives that lead the industry to do that. I mean, look at folks like, Bernard Arnault, the CEO of LVMH, is it really at the, is it really in the advantage for someone like him to say, you know what, we're going to now become completely economically sustainable across the board. And he's like the richest man in the world right now. 
Absolutely, it's not in his best interest. And that's not to say that he's the only one at fault here, because he isn't. I just picked him out because, again, he's one of the richest people on the entire planet. And so my overarching view, even though there are other things that I think could potentially be done, I think that nothing's really going to be done unless there's legislation that comes into play. And so we look at things like these... Excuse me, let me think of a term here. We look at things like these certifications that are coming out, like organic cotton certifications, organic wool certifications, or things like that. Those are only bandmates, first of all. And if we expect that these things are going to fix the fashion industry and the issues that it's having and the impact that it's having on the environment, and the fact that it's not paying its workers fairly. One reason that that's not going to happen with certifications among many is that there's so many of these things and a lot of times they run counter to each other and they're confusing. And if you're, let's say, a small independent company and you're looking at, okay, what are these certifications that I could get to show that I am doing the right thing for the environment. Again, one, they're confusing. Two, a lot of times they're going to cost money. And so if you're a small independent company, those aren't to your advantage either because you're small and you can't afford it. And if you're a larger company, you can get those certifications so that people can see, oh, look, I'm doing the right thing. But actually, it just turns into another form of greenwashing because you haven't fixed the underlying issues that make you unsustainable in the first place. And that brings me to my next question about the challenges in sustainable fashion. You mentioned it could be hard for small companies to adhere to these standards. But say we have these governmental certifications and regulations in place and everyone is obliged to do that, what would be the challenges in sourcing materials, in changing consumer behavior? What do you think? Let's look at changing consumer behavior first, because that's one that often gets lost in the shuffle here when we talk about companies needing to be sustainable and putting out garments that are going to be better for the environment overall. Consumers have to be able to afford these garments. So that's, and that's a very real issue. Now, you have folks like me that could sit and say, and I admittedly have said this before, that if you are unwilling to purchase a more high quality, sustainable, like if you're willing to do that, then that's good for the environment. But if you're not willing to do that, then, you know, this is, it's very short-term thinking like, oh, you can't afford it. Just buy less garments and yeah, just buy less garments. And then, you know, you're helping the earth, but also you're being sustainable. And it sounds like I'm talking in circles, but I feel like that's just the nature of the issue. It's this issue that goes in circles. You like, on the one hand, you've got legislation. On the other hand, you've got the fact that people need to be able to afford these clothes. And 
unfortunately, a lot of these sustainable designs can't be afforded by the average consumer. Consumer, excuse me. And that's why they're going to brands like Shine and Zara and H&M because they want to be able to engage in the fashion industry and the fashion culture. And they want to be able to have like nice, interesting designs. But, you know, maybe they don't make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And so what a brand like, let's say, Chloe or Stella McCartney, two very sustainable brands might be offering, that's not really helping them. And so consumers being able to afford things are, that's super important. But on one hand, you have consumers needing to be able to afford the garments. But on the other hand, designers have to be able to afford the materials. They have to be able to afford to source the materials that would create those sustainable garments and cost is going to create an issue where larger brands if they so choose if they see it in their as it being in their interest they're going to be able to afford these materials to create more sustainable garments and then smaller independent companies won't be able necessarily anyway to afford these materials and then what does that do it widens that inequality gap in the industry. So you could see a landscape potentially of if larger companies decide to start becoming more sustainable, they're able to start helping the environment. They're able to reap the benefits of public goodwill. Like, oh, look, such and such large company is sustainable. Now let's support them. But then smaller independent companies who can't necessarily afford these materials aren't able to afford to do that and so they don't benefit from that public goodwill because oh look such and such isn't being sustainable and maybe we shouldn't actually buy from them now i feel like in a way this is all a theoretical conversation for the consumer anyway because ultimately it's going to come down to cost for them like if you're a consumer and you're sitting back and you're looking at the sustainability conversation Maybe you're thinking, oh, I'd like to support such and such brand, but if I can't afford them without taking food off of the table of my family or without severely curtailing basic expenses, I'm going to go for the least cost item of clothing. And a lot of times that's fast fashion. Now, I think what can be done is if we could find a way to show consumers that, you know what, there are low-cost sustainable brands that exist. I'm not an expert in sustainability. I don't know if those exist. But if they do, we need to put those options in front of consumers. That sounds like a good option. Do you have your own approach to sustainable fashion as a consumer? You are aware of that problem. So when you are in a store, how do you choose clothes? My personal sustainable fashion. Let's see. A lot of times these days, I'm going into secondhand stores or I'm going to thrift or I'm shopping on websites like The Real Real or Vestair Collective, sites where I can get really good luxury quality clothing 
and it's not going to cost an arm and a leg and maybe it isn't completely in season in trend or whatever but there are a lot of pieces of clothing that again are very high quality and I can actually buy it so if there's anyone out there that isn't able to afford sustainable clothing necessarily well buying secondhand even though the garment itself may not be sustainable per se buying something that's already been created is going to be a really good option so that's if I'm buying luxury secondhand clothing now if I'm buying new that's a tough one because I've got to say I've actually stayed away from purchasing a lot of new garments recently just because I'm so concerned about the fact that you look at the environment basically falling apart around us and I know that being in the fashion industry it runs counter to our interest to say you know what maybe don't go out and buy so many new clothing pieces but I don't actually do that all that often unless it's something like accessories. Now, if it's like jewelry or if it's shoes or boots, for example, because I really like wearing boots, I will usually buy new boots and new shoes and new jewelry as much as I possibly can because I feel like those are good investments. Those are going to be things that I use over and over again more and more often. And so what I look for with that is I'm looking for good, strong quality material, material that isn't going to wear out after one or two uses. And that's the thing with fast fashion. It might be cheaper, but it's also not going to last as long. And then you're going to have to buy it over and over again. So maybe you save on the front end, that cost. But then on the back end, you're having to purchase the same thing over and over again. So with shoes, I would definitely recommend buying the highest quality thing that you can and I know cost might be an issue for some but that's a cost that I would be willing to sacrifice I agree what do you think of vintage fashion it's not really secondhand it's something else do you have experience with it and how could it be integrated into your style vintage is an interesting one one could consider it secondhand but in terms of the fashion industry, we usually consider vintage a different thing. But let's see, my experience with vintage. So I live in an area where there are actually a lot of vintage stores around me. So I'm able to frequently go into those stores and take a look at the offerings. And every so often, I'll come out with something. Now, I happen to find that with vintage, a lot of times it's period specific, like vintage clothes from the 50s or from the 40s or from the 70s and again a lot of times I find it vintage clothing because it fits specific eras very well it doesn't often lend itself to being able to be copied and pasted into our current era so I don't know if that makes sense so basically, if you take a dress from the 50s, really nice finished dress, and I tried to wear that outside right now, I'm going to look like a cartoon caricature because it's like, did you just step out of 1952? So with vintage clothing, 
you can wear it today, but you have to make sure that you're modernizing it so that it looks like something that, you know, yes, you're wearing something that's older, but also it is something that you can see yourself in right now and other people can see you in right now. So, see, I would say that's my experience with vintage. But then if you look at like luxury vintage, like maybe an Yves Saint Laurent dress from the 80s or a Chloe skirt from the same period of time, that may or may not be something that has that typical vintage look to it. That might be easier to just wear outside and customize. And it's going to be a lot different than wearing a skirt or a dress that maybe mass consumers wore back then because I feel like those things tend to fit very well into an era but luxury vintage doesn't necessarily. I I think wearing vintage takes some creativity so you can combine it with some modern clothes, boots or shoes or jewelry or other accessories. Uh, Sustainable fashion is also about creativity. You commit to buying less and you try to use that small amount that you have to create something original that takes more effort, maybe more time, but eventually it pays off because you look not like everyone else. Yeah, but that's a huge advantage of vintage is that you're not going to be going into a store and buying something that everyone else is wearing. Now, again, that does, as you said, require creativity and not a lot of people necessarily have that creativity. But you know what? We live in the internet era. Let's go online to Pinterest or go on to YouTube or maybe find yourself an influencer. I don't usually recommend influencers, I gotta say. I mean, it's not really like my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is journalism. But there are certain points And this is one of those where if you're looking for ways to style vintage or secondhand clothing, maybe find someone that does that often enough and get a few ideas. If you don't feel that you have a creative wherewithal to do it yourself. Exactly. It all gives you inspiration and um, direction, how to dress or do whatever you want. (laughs) Indeed. Yep, definitely. Then it brings us to my last question. The title of this podcast is Being Modern, Being Human. What does it mean to you, being modern and being human? I'll start by saying I'll add a different twist to this question. I've been reading a lot of history recently, specifically a lot of history about the United States of America. Like, how were things politically back when the first folks that came to this country, at least from Europe, came and invaded we know that there were people here on this land before europeans got to the united states so i've been reading a lot of history and just seeing how times have changed over the course of history and in a way you start to see that yes context has changed but the underlying principles of human history are still kind of the same it just plays its way out it happens in cycles in a different way. So in terms of being modern, I would say that 
a lot of what we are and what we were and what we're going to become comes from the past. So it's like taking the past and making it modern and forming it and molding it to fit the current society that we have today. And in terms of being human, where, again, where that comes in is that a lot of these patterns that have been established in the United States over the past two, three hundred years or so that we've been in a, that we've been in a state of being a country or being colonies, those patterns are what some would like to say are human nature. I wouldn't necessarily say that, but they're definitely human patterns that come into play. And so that would be my definition of being modern and being human. And funny enough, I'm saying taking the past and making it modern. That's what we were just talking about with vintage fashion. Exactly. And talking about the past and all the negative things that happened in the past, all the wars and atrocities, I wish we could leave that in the past and take all the positive things <laughs> to the future, yeah. to the present. Be great and if we get the uh, <laughs> Let's hope for that and do our best to make it happen. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad that we got to have this conversation and hopefully your listeners got something out of this. And if you're more curious about me, then go find me online at Manic Metallic. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy being modern, being human, I'd love it if you could take a moment to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback is so valuable to me and helps you make the show better. And if you haven't already, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode.